So that's how I got in touch with the head athletic trainer for the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, he was uh, really kind enough to email me back. And we kept in touch for a while. And uh, right after I graduated from UH, he, uh, I emailed him. I talked to him. And he and that was the COVID year. So uh, <laughs> yeah. they actually had a, a hiring freeze at the time. Okay. So he wasn't sure if he could hire me, but he was considering my position mm. for a, a seasonal intern. Got it. And uh, COVID happened. I was waiting. I was actually uh, uh, at my friend's house, uh, uh, Lawrence. Okay. Actually allowed me to stay with him. Uh, it was really nice enough to, you know, accommodate yes. me because I didn't have any money. I was trying to survive and yeah. he was kind enough to have me. So he helped me a lot. And I was just basically waiting for almost four months mm-hmm. after I graduated. Got it. And I actually had an offer from other schools to work as a full-time athletic trainer. Okay. And uh, I almost took that position. But uh, right before I made that decision, head athletic trainer for the, from the Hawks, he called me. Uh-huh. And he said, we just had, we just got a green light to uh, hire you as a uh, seasonal intern position. So can, can you come in two weeks? <laughs> yes. I was like, yes, I'm flying right away. <laughs> Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back to the HNL Movement Podcast. Thank you for tuning in for another episode. For any of the new listeners out there, you're in the right place to hear about everything that deals with optimizing your performance. All of my returning listeners, thank you again for joining for another week. And for everyone, if you haven't listened to some of the previous library of episodes, check that out. You can find them on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. I've also been putting up video highlight clips, short highlight clips on my YouTube channel that matches some of the audio content that you're hearing. And also check out my YouTube channel for a lot more informational and educational content that will help to provide some value as well. If you're enjoying this content, be sure to send me some feedback, message me, repost some of the content on social media platforms, and I would love to interact and hear some feedback from all of you. All of this content is geared to help you along your journey. I'm excited for today's episode, and today we have a great guest, Takahiro Uchida, who was the graduate assistant athletic trainer with football at the University of Hawaii, and he was here for two years. But beyond that, he's done so many great things, and it was really nice to catch up with him and sit down and talk about his experiences. Currently, he's the assistant athletic trainer for the Atlanta Hawks, and he's held that position for a couple years now, and he has a lot of great perspectives to share. This provides a lot of great wisdom for people who are just starting their journey and looking for these opportunities in the professional realm of athletics. And he shares so many other great experiences that he's had, coming from Japan, learning how to speak English, yet alone become a certified athletic trainer and going through that curriculum as well but there's so many great aspects of this episode that Taka shares without saying too much more I want to jump into this episode and listen in on this one you'll find a lot of value and a lot of things that we can take home from this episode with Taka's experiences enjoy this one 
Welcome back, everyone, to the HL Movement Podcast. Today is an exciting episode for all of you basketball fans. We're recording this during NBA Finals. So, anybody that's wondering what the life is of a basketball or NBA athletic trainer, this is the episode to tune into. But today, I'm so happy and excited to have this conversation. I've seen you grow and develop over the past few years. And we have Takahiro Uchida, who's the assistant athletic trainer for the Atlanta Hawks. So, thank you so much for joining me, Taka. Thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be yes. on. Yes. So you'll have so many great things to share. And as many people that come through the University of Hawaii program, you're originally from Japan. We have a lot of athletic trainers that come from Japan. So let's start there. Talk about your story. I don't even really know your full background. So talk about what it was like growing up in Japan, sports that you played, and kind of did you always have this interest in athletics and becoming an athletic trainer? Uh, no, I actually actually didn't know about athletic training until when I moved right before moving move to the States. I mean, I grew up playing basketball. Okay. My brother started playing basketball when he was little, and I kind of followed that path, you know, watching him play. I got interested in and I joined the club, same club, and then I was probably like six years old. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So since then, I, I, I grew up playing basketball all my life. I love basketball. And uh, I was lucky enough to have a trainer. He was more of a strength coach at the high school. So I was training with him like every day. He actually had education uh, in the States. Okay. So he studied strength, co- uh, strength conditioning in the United States. So mm-hmm. he was telling me all about, you know, the study in the States and how the how sports is developed in the States. Mm-hmm. So I always had, you know, America in my mind. <laughs> yes. And obviously I, I was watching NBA every week. Got it. I would stay up late because the time difference is so big. I would stay up late, watch NBA. That was my uh, childhood, you know, growing up. Got it. There's so many questions, um, follow-up questions. So as we know, we had other, you know, people from Japan on the podcast. So you guys specialize very early. Like once you choose a sport, it's kind of like you really hone in year round about developing skills and practicing that sport. So did you try any other sports before you were six years Uh, old before basketball? Yeah, I actually played a little bit of soccer. Okay. Uh, before I got into uh, basketball, but once I got into basketball, it's like, it's so rare to see people playing like two sports at the same time because mm-hmm. we don't have any like season, you know, system like the United States. Mm-hmm. So you basically pick one sports and you play the sports whole year. Got it. And when you started playing and practicing basketball, you mentioned that you were working with a strength coach who, you know, was trained and uh, did some training in the States too. So was this early on when you were a young kid or was this more later on as you grew older, maybe intermediate or high school or when was that? Later on high school, actually, uh, I got into high school, you know, the high school team wasn't as good as, you know, other teams, Mm -hmm. but I always wanted to get better. And I, I happened to get to know him probably like a sophomore year of high school. Okay. So I started going to his uh, gym. Okay. And then he was training me uh, every week over there. Got it. Was it more like strength and conditioning work or was it more basketball skill no, work? No, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was oh, okay. a straight up uh, strength conditioning uh, <laughs> yes. workout. So, Got it. 
I really enjoyed it. Yes. So that probably has a big effect on you to this day, right? As an athletic trainer. So talking about those things, explain a little bit about what it was like for you, year round basketball training, what the calendar year looked like, what seasons look like the intensity or anything else that you can describe about playing basketball in Japan. I mean, I loved it. I loved playing basketball. I didn't want to stop playing. So playing a whole season was fun, Uh but uh, you know, it, it was, it was, just natural to me you know it wasn't anything weird to play whole season mm-hmm. that's what everybody else was doing mm-hmm. but uh, intensity wise you know looking back you know coming to the states like these high school players in the states like they play so hard like the uh-huh. intensity is so different okay uh so looking back i i wasn't playing as hard as you know probably should have okay what is it about the intensity you think when you say they're playing so hard is it like more physical basketball here yeah, is it i think that the physicality is so different you know okay here like even like high school guys even like junior like little guys uh-huh. and it's so physical got it what um position did you play growing up I played point point guard uh number one got uh, it all the way through high school yeah high school is one and two i think i played one shooting guard a little bit Okay. But uh, my height wasn't, you know, enough to play <laughs> three or four or five. Yes. So as you progress to fill out a little bit of your backstory, was there any aspirations to play in college or play, f- you know, because Japan has college basketball too. Was yeah. that any of your aspirations when you were in high school? Yeah, actually, I actually wanted to play in college in Japan. I actually went to watch a few college uh, okay. practice and stuff because I, I was really wanted to get better. I wanted to play at the higher level. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I kind of knew the reality of it too. You know, I wasn't at that level, to be honest, but I was, was trying. But uh, yeah, I, I wasn't definitely at that level. <laughs> Got it. I think that's where most of us, you know, we, we realize at a certain point that, you know, it's not that we're not practicing or trying or whatever it is. Some of it is just, you know, the talent, the step up in level, it makes it that much more challenging and intense, right? Now, thinking back, so I have to ask, like, before you came to the United States, was, did you speak English or did you have a lot of experience speaking English or anything like that? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I, I mean, I kind of watched uh, Kaori's episode too. She kind of explained <laughs> how English education is back home. You know, we, we have English classes Mm-hmm. Uh, starting from like junior high to high school, uh-huh. but it's all about grammar stuff. You know, I, we, mm-hmm. we didn't learn how to speak English. So that was the hardest part. You know, I, I had, I could read a little bit, mm-hmm. but no speaking. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so crazy. Cause I, I say this with all of you guys. I like, when I converse with you, I forget that, you know, English is your second language because it seems so natural at this point. And even the comprehension, the conversations, I give you guys so much credit for all of the things you had to do from knowing like zero conversational English to where you are now. And not Uh, only with where you are, but 
as you know, athletic training, when you got to talk about medical terms and anatomy right. and injuries, it becomes a whole different type of English too, right? I mean, yeah. for native speakers, it's hard to understand uh, sometimes, right? So You should have seen me eight years ago. <laughs> well, you've come a long <laughs> way yeah, in those eight years. So before we get to your transition into the States, you kind of mentioned that, okay, so you kind of knew that, okay, I'm not really going to pursue basketball at a high le- higher level. Was there any injuries before that, like through high school or anything that played a factor into that decision? No, I actually, I, luckily I wasn't, you know, I didn't get injured. I know a lot of athletic trainers, you know, their background is like, you know, you get injury, you get to see athletic trainers and then want to be one of them. But I wasn't, I was healthy. Mm-hmm. So actually I wanted to, I always wanted to be around athletes. Yep. And um, just because I got to work with a strength coach, through high school, I actually wanted to be like him, you know, more like a performance side. Got it. But that's that's what I kind of imagine, you know, go uh, uh, coming from, you know, trying to make the decision going to the states. I was I wanted to be a performance side mm-hmm. and work with the guys, Got uh, it. specifically basketball players. No, that's something that I can really relate to, too. I've said it a few times here and there on the podcast, but I never sustained an injury. I didn't even know what an athletic trainer was until I was a senior in high school. I mean, a senior in college, like 22 (laughs) or 23 years old. So, you know, it was all like foreign to me. And I knew of athletic trainers, but I didn't really ever work with one or see one. So it's always been kind of similar to you, that aspect of, you know, wanting to work with the active population and athletes and all of that. So after you kind of finish high school, right, you finish basketball, I'm sure you still play recreationally after that, but what was the process, I guess, were you trying to stay in Japan or immediately after high school, did you realize I want to try to pursue some of these professions in the United States? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, when I was in high school, senior year, you know, a lot of people try to decide where they're going to go. Mm-hmm. I, honestly, I was going to go to college in Japan like other friends did. But uh, one day, uh, I actually saw this article online. It was featuring the athletic trainer in the States working for the NBA team. And he was actually from Japan as well. Uh, his name is Koichi. Uh, Sato, he's actually a director for the Japanese uh, Basketball Association right now. So he's he's with the national team right now. Got it. So I saw the article. I read the article about him, and I didn't know that any Japanese native people are working in the NBA. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, maybe there's a chance. There's a chance for me to you know get into this world. So uh-huh. that's that's how I kind of started thinking about America. Got it. And also my brother was actually studying abroad already in the States. Okay. So he was already in the States uh, studying psychology. Okay. And I, he, I would talk to him, you know, um, how the college is like in the States. So he actually recommended me to pursue the studying in mm-hmm. the United States. Got so it. So that's how I decided to, you know, leave the country and then go to study in the States. Oh, that's so interesting. So even 
from before you even came to the United States, you had this passion for basketball and wanting to work in the NBA. I didn't even know that because I thought, you know, my experience with you was you were the football graduate assistant at University of Hawaii. I knew you had a lot of football experience, but yeah, it's interesting how things kind of come full circle. And we'll definitely talk about how, where you're, where you're at today. That was was actually the main reason I left, left Japan and came to to study. Got it. So one interesting question for me, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there is that I really want to hear the process, I guess, of where you kind of choose to end up in the States, because I know like being not native to the United States, you know, you don't have too much information about like what areas are like and what kinds of things are here and there. So it's kind of fascinating to me, like you guys just end up in like places that I think, man, I wouldn't want to go there, <laughs> but, but it's kind of like you get the education that you need. So anyway, you ended up to kind of give some overview of where you ended up. It was Lindenwood College, right? In Missouri or university okay. in Missouri. Yep. So sure. what was your kind of thought process? How did you come about to even look at universities and what made you choose that college? Yeah. Uh, so I started looking for college. I actually, went to this company back home. They were helping out, you know, uh, people with studying abroad. Mm-hmm. They would give me a list of school that I could go to. And probably they gave me like 20 schools. Okay. And out of those 20 schools, Linda was the only school that had the uh, athletic training cr- oh, program. Got it. And it was also a lot cheaper than other schools. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause <laughs> you can living in Missouri, it's, it's way cheaper. Yeah. Yes. So that's the only reason I didn't even look at the school. You know, I didn't even look at the town that school was in. I just uh, decided, you know, athletic training program and cheap. So I was like, yeah, why not? Yes. As we know, international tuition is, you know, really expensive, right? So it's right. amazing that even in those lists of 20 schools, right? That one of the schools was had athletic training as major. So mm-hmm. that that makes a lot of sense. And thinking back to so you came to the US in like 2013, I want to say. 2013, yeah. 2013. 2013. Okay. Yeah. So when you first came over. Explain that transition, because like you said, you learn some English in school, but as we know, any type of language in school, that does not translate into real world conversation. So what was that transition like moving, you know, to the U.S., but also learning the language, learning the culture and all of those things? Yeah, I mean, as you you probably know, like Missouri is like really Midwest, uh, really, there wasn't nothing around the school which I didn't know about, you know, actually going to the Missouri. So I didn't know anything about school. So I, before going to Missouri, I was kind of imagining like, you know, cause all my information about America was based on movies and stuff. Yes. yes. So I, was, I was always, you know, thinking, Oh, it's going to be like LA, you know, there's yeah. a lot going on, yeah. but I got to the, I got to school and there was nothing around. I was like, Oh my God, I probably made the biggest mistake of my life. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was tough because um, I couldn't really communicate with people. Uh, there was probably a few Japanese students on campus, probably around 10 Japanese students, but I wanted to, I kind of avoided them just because I wanted to practice my English, mm. uh, especially for the first year because um, yeah. I wanted to practice, but it was, it was, it was really hard uh, at the, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. 
I forgot to even ask you, where are you originally from in Japan? Oh, yeah, I'm from Hiroshima. Got it. So,、yeah. I mean, you're more in the city area. Yeah. yeah. So, it is a big difference because, you know, as Japan, it can be very, very, it's very a big city, very crowded, a、yeah. lot of things to do, you know. And when you go to someplace that's more rural in the US, it's like very rural. Like, there's、yes. hardly anything around. Yeah. yeah. So, I can only imagine, you know, like that. Shift in culture and lifestyle and all of that. But thinking about, so you mentioned, I think that's how most of you guys really pick up English fast is that you immerse yourself in the language, but also staying around people that can't speak Japanese, right? So then you, you're forced to talk English or speak English with them. So、For、thinking、sure. about that, like when you first started, were you like already in some type of Athletic training, like curriculum, or were you even doing observation hours or clinical from the first year? Yeah, the program that our school had was a、mm-hmm. three years program. Okay. You, you, you can apply in the first year as a freshman.、Got、so、it. the first year, freshman year is actually an observational year. You go around different teams, do some observational hours, and see, see, basically see what it's like to be an athletic trainer.、Mm-hmm. So, I actually applied to the program first, and then I used my freshman year to kind of see、uh, all the aspects of athletic training. And that really helped me improve my English because I was, you know, basically in the training room all, all day long. And、mm-hmm. that, you know, you don't, you don't have any Japanese speaking、yeah. people around. So, that、yeah. kind of forced me to speak and listen. So, that, that, that was really helpful. Yes. Besides just, Being surrounded by English speakers, right? Maybe for future Japanese students who are aspiring to come to the US, not only for athletic training, but any type of studies, right? Was there something that really helped you or something that made it click that you really started to pick up English at a faster pace during that first year? I watch a lot of movies,、okay. I watch a lot of TED Talks. <laughs> Got it.、Uh, I just did shout- shadowing. You know,、mm-hmm. I, I would listen to movies and then I just repeat. Got it. That, that was my routine every day. And with that, I guess, yeah, if you watch enough, you know, TED Talks or movies and things like that, you start to get a feel for all of the different types of conversation and situations、right. and all of that and vocabulary. So, okay, that's, you know, for anybody that's, and not only Japanese speakers, right, but for any people that, English is their second language. I think that's a good strategy to just kind of immerse yourself in the media too, so that you can pick up all of these different types of yeah, sure. situations and learn how to speak and converse, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. so after that, I'm sure everything kind of picked up speed. Explain what it was like going through athletic training, the curriculum, what it was like at Lindenwood, and kind of how it helped you to develop this foundation. Yeah, it was. I, I'm really glad I picked that school actually looking back because it was smaller school. The program wasn't that big. You know, we only had like, as a sophomore class, we only had like probably t- around 10 to 15 classmates. So it's re- relatively smaller than other big, big schools. I got to build that, you know, relationship really well with the classmates and professors. So we spent a lot of time together, you know, practicing a lot of skills and learn together. So that, that was really good. And、uh, also, our professor had a, a really good、uh, professional relationship with、uh, professional NFL teams that was in St. Louis. So,、yeah. St. Louis Rams, he used to 
work with the St. Louis Rams. So that kind of helped me build my career too. He recommended me to do a a summer intern with them. Mm -hmm. That's how I kind of got that opportunity. So that was really good. Yeah, program was really good. Um, The professors are really, you know, close to students. Uh Uh, So that helped me a lot. So when you, and you did that training camp internship with the Rams while you were still in the curriculum, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So when you did that, were you, what sports did you primarily get experience with at Lindenwood? Uh, so my sophomore year was, uh, I think, lacrosse team. Okay. But I helped out football just a little bit because I really wanted to get that summer intern with the Rams. Mm, got it. Well, so I helped out a little bit. And then junior year, you have to do the whole football season. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Got it. And, and then that kind of helped me get the summer intern position as well. Got it. So when you went into the Rams, you know, I didn't realize that again, basketball was really your primary sport, but what was it like? What was that experience like? Just even the training camp, it's pretty crazy during training camp. You have a lot more bodies than you do in the season, but what was your experience like with the Rams? And do you enjoy working football or what, what's that? Uh, I think at the like? time I really enjoyed it. I uh-huh. really enjoyed it. Uh, Cause I, I was really, I just wanted to be with the, be with the team. I wanted to learn as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Obviously working football is really physically uh, demanding. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was, it was tough, but uh, at the same time, you know, I think uh, me enjoying part is more than, you know, physical um, mm-hmm. aspect of it. So I really enjoyed it. And, the staff was amazing. You know, they, they were trying to teach teach our summer interns as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Some training camp is crazy as far as the time. You yeah. know, they're trying to take time to teach us and they're trying to let us do as much as possible. So that experience was really good for me. Yeah. So, you know, all of these experiences as students, I think for students, just try to immerse yourself and get as many opportunities or experience as many things as you can, because that really helps to set up the rest of your career. And I think, you know, we're going to talk more about your career, but all of the opportunities that you've had, and even it's, it's good to see all of you guys grow right through your career and then doing all of these great things. And now you're, you know, working in the MBA, like how you always dreamed of, right? So it all starts back with how your undergrad experience was, those experiences that you immersed yourself in, the things that you learned, right? And some of this is outside of what the textbook and the curriculum can teach you. It's just experiencing it, right? So talk a little bit about as you started to go into your last year of the curriculum, you know, approaching the exam and getting certified. What was your, where were you at uh, in your career? What were your aspirations like? Were you still looking to get to the NBA? Were you still looking for football opportunities? What was it like for you? And how did you end up at the University of Hawaii? Yeah, so it's, I always wanted, I, I always saw MBA as my career path since I started uh, athletic training program uh, mm-hmm. in Missouri. But going into uh, senior year, you're going to start looking at, you know, your future career. I, I obviously, I wanted to go to MBA mm-hmm. path, but it's, it's a really small door to get into. So I, at the time, I, I didn't even have anybody you know, I didn't know anybody in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So I would just look up, uh, there's a website, NBA TA uh, website okay. for athletic trainers in the NBA. Mm-hmm. 
they don't have email listed, but they, they had the physical address listed. Huh. So I would physically uh, send my resume and all that to all the teams. Uh-huh. But you, you usually don't get a response. Hmm. Maybe if you're lucky, lucky, you get some emails back. And yeah. I got actually emails back a little bit, but all, all, all of them are like, you know, we're not looking for anybody right now. And mm-hmm. I didn't get any opportunities at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was still looking for uh, what I was going to do uh, after senior year. And mm-hmm. luckily, luckily, uh, I actually did a summer intern with the Stanford University football team mm-hmm. uh, when I was a sophomore year. Okay. So that experience kind of helped me later on. I talked to the head athletic trainer at the Stanford University at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for some experience after, after uh, my undergrad. Mm-hmm. And he actually offered me a seasonal position with them. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was, I was open to anything, to be honest. You know, mm-hmm. even though it was football, you know, you, you, like the time of uh, summer intern with the Rams, I learned so much from football. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, you know, I was like, yeah, it's football. I want to do basketball, but I, you know, this opportunity is going to great for me to grow as a athletic trainer. Yes. So I picked the opportunity right away. Yes. It's all these opportunities. So thinking about, you mentioned that you helped them out your sophomore year, right? Mm-hmm. How did you get connected with them? Was it through someone at Lindenwood? Yeah, that knew them? I, I actually had a mutual friend, uh, friend of mine he knew this athletic trainer at the stanford university mm. so i emailed i emailed the at at the stanford university and looking for some you know uh, volunteer work basically mm-hmm. during the summer and they actually had a volunteer opening for the summer training camp mm-hmm. so i was at stanford for the duration of summer training camp uh, oh wow yeah yeah yeah, that's a lot of experience. And then, so you ended up going back there for a full year internship, right? Correct, yeah. Yes. So explain that a little bit. Now you're, because that's a bigger university, right? I would assume more sports and more athletics, even though you're looking at um, overseeing football, but mm-hmm. it was more, you know, student athletes at Stanford University. Explain what mm-hmm. that opportunity was like. Some of the things that you learned and yeah, what, what was it like to now go from Missouri to California? Yeah. Uh, it was it was crazy to be honest, because uh, you know right after undergrad you're fresh certified, you don't know anything, <laughs> and I got there. Uh, there are a few of us, you know, as an intern, uh-huh. and there were two assistant athletic trainers for the football team, and mm-hmm. then head athletic trainer above them. But uh, right after I got there, the head athletic trainer got let go, oh. so everything was kind of crazy the new assistant trainer he had to step up and he was the temporary uh head of the trainer mm-hmm. and those two are new as well mm. so they didn't know how everything was working at the stanford so mm-hmm. we didn't know anything about the system <laughs> so uh-huh. we are kind of trying to figure it out and the temporary head athletic trainer told me like, I know you guys are just an intern. I know you guys are just fresh certified, but you guys need to step up. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. So that, you know, looking back, it, it really helped me as a clinician. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause they gave me a lot of responsibilities that, you know, you don't usually get that responsibility as a newly certified, you know, especially at that bigger school. So that was really helpful. But going through that experience was really tough because, you know, you're trying to 
you're newly certified. You're trying to figure everything out. Yeah. So that was really tough. Yes. And looking back, you know, it's really tough, but sometimes like you mentioned, that's when you really grow and learn the most yeah. because you, you're forced to either do it or, you know, kind of get left behind a little bit. So yeah. it's great to hear those experiences and to give a little timeline. So was this like 2017, 2018, yeah, 2017. 20, 2017. So right after I, gra- I graduated in 2017 and then oh, okay. I went to Stanford from 2017 through 2018. Got it. So after that year experience, right now you're still immersed in football and for any athletic training students out there, I still to this day, you know, football is where you get the most exposure to a lot of different things just because of the nature of the sport. Right. And you have so many bodies. There's so much volume versus like a smaller team. Right. That I think it's a good way to get used to the field of athletic training. Always. If you can manage football, even if you're working with a team, you'll be able to manage your own team, like hands down, just because of all of the chaos and craziness. Right. Right, right, So talk about that. Like after that Stanford experience or anything else that you want to mention that helped you, how did you kind of progress and what was your thought process now? Like what were you looking at and how did you actually end up at UH? So, I don't know how much you know about visa situation for mm-hmm. international or, you know, immigrant people. Mm-hmm. We have a restriction on working visa. So mm-hmm. you have to, in order to work in the States, you have to get this working visa. Mm-hmm. So if you go to school, let's say if you go to undergrad, you get one year of permit basically after you graduate. So I used that one year permit Got to it. work at Stanford. But that was expiring after my seasonal intern. Okay. So I was looking for somewhere who can sponsor my visa, uh-huh. but it's really hard because as a you know newly certified with less experience, mm-hmm. not many schools want to sponsor you. Got it. So my option was either going back to Japan uh-huh. or go back to school in the States again. <laughs> yes. So, but I wanted to stay in the school. I wanted to stay in the, uh, America and mm-hmm. pursue my dream of working in a basketball league. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I was looking around uh, some GA positions mm-hmm. and uh, one of the assistant federal trainer at Stanford, she actually graduated from UH. Oh, okay. And yeah. So she was doing a residency at the Stanford. So okay. she, she helped me. She actually talked to Lynn. I found out they had a GA position open. open. Uh-huh. So uh, she helped me get that GA position after Got Stanford. It. Yeah. Got it. And have you ever been to Hawaii before? That? No, no. Oh. Yes, I, I knew about Hawaii. You know, you know, Hawaii is close to Japan. Everybody from Japan wants to go to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I about it, but I've never been. I, I've never been to Hawaii before that. Oh, got it. Yeah. So then, okay. So you, you know, through these connections, and you were you needed to go back to school, right? To yeah. extend your. It's a student visa, right? At yeah. that point, yeah. 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 So when you did that, you applied, and then you came here, and you were the football GA. For UH, which is a division one program, you know, we're not your big, you know, big five power five program, but we're still division one and you get exposure to a lot of different things too, um, being in a division one program. So when you first came to UH, what were you expecting? And, you know, especially coming from Stanford to UH, that's going to be a big difference in the amount of resources we have, but what was your I guess, what did you want to pursue and what were some of your thoughts and expectations coming to UH? Yeah, it was, uh, I remember it was a big, uh, it was a lot different Uh because 
at Stanford, we had a huge amount of staff members just for football team. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to make sure to keep the hierarchy system mm-hmm. within the sports medicine. Mm-hmm. So going back to, you know, from Stanford to Hawaii, you know, we don't have that many staff members. So I was actually the head of Third China Wongi let me do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gave me a lot of responsibilities and I was able to do, you know, in my own way, sort of uh-huh. with, with his guidance sometimes. And mm-hmm. so it was, it was a lot different, uh, but it gave me autonomy. You know, I was yes. on my own and I was able to make decisions and um, I got to talk to coaches, which, uh-huh. which you don't get that experience at the D1 school as a GA, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> yes. as a GA, you, you, you don't get to talk to coaches yes. a lot of times. So that was really helpful. Yeah. I mean, I, I loved it. I enjoyed it, but uh, even though it's, it's a, it's a lot of work working for, you know, a football team at the college, but uh, looking back, it helped me a lot. Yes. So when you came here and what was your, I know you were a kinesiology, you know, master student, but were you in the post-professional athletic training or were you in another one of the tracks? No, that, that year, actually they, they got rid of post-professional. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. so they, they didn't have the post-professional program anymore, but they still had the uh, few classes that was in the post-professional. Yes. So I, I took those classes. Got it. So now you're back in study mode and also working, you know, I want to say more than part-time, pretty much full-time <laughs> with football, right? And what was it like coming from California to Hawaii? Like the lifestyle, I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate because I would think we're the closest to oh, yeah. what Japan is like, but what was that experience like for you? No, I loved it. I would love to go back as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I actually got into uh, surfing, like, yeah other people do you know uh-huh. so i loved it you know the food is great you know it reminded me of home you know you, you can eat like uh-huh. uh you know a lot of japanese food yeah it's really accessible uh-huh. so it was it was really good uh i really enjoyed it yeah. And that's good to hear that, you know, you got this experience and it's funny how your path kind of comes back and then, you know, you get these experiences along the way. So you were at Hawaii for two years, right? Yeah. And worked two consecutive football seasons. So what were some of the, up to this point in your career, because you haven't been working as much basketball, right? But as you kind of alluded to, a lot of these experiences really help you to this day when you're in that basketball environment or setting. So if you think back, like everything from undergrad, from your experience at Stanford at UH, or some of the big lessons that you learned that maybe future aspiring athletic trainers can kind of think about or give them some words of wisdom or advice, what were some of the big lessons that you've learned up to that point at UH? Uh, I mean, this is nothing about clinical stuff, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, looking back, I, I had long-term goal, but I always took whatever was in front of me. Mm-hmm. It might not be what you want to do, but mm-hmm. it helped me looking back, you know, in the long run. So whatever opportunity came up in front of me, I, I took those opportunities. And I think it's, it's really important things yes. to kind of develop your career. You know, every opportunity, you know, I got to Stanford, it helped me a lot. Like, you know, it's, it's not, it's not basketball, but mm-hmm you can learn at least something from those experiences anywhere you go. So mm-hmm. uh, that's something I would, you know, 
I would advise other people like. No, I mean, that's a great message. And I think, yeah, just because everything you can apply it to whatever setting or whatever career goal you have, all of those experiences, there's overlap. There's ways that it translates into what you want to do. So, you know, as you were at UH, see, I didn't even know this. We, I mean, you know, we were see each other at the football games and stuff, yeah. but it's so hectic that, you know, there's no time to really sit down and talk and all yeah. of this, but it's interesting to hear now that you always aspired to be a basketball athletic trainer, not only any setting, but at the NBA level. Right. Yeah. So explain a little bit about that was still in the back of your mind. How right. did you actually start to work towards that goal? How did you get that seasonal internship and how did yeah, all of this come to reality? Yeah. So, so for this, maybe three years after my undergrad every year i always look for opportunity to get get my foot into the league uh-huh. you know i would email uh, or send send out my resume every year unfortunately i didn't get the opportunity uh for a while mm-hmm. and uh after i finished my uh ga ship uh i was looking for uh somewhere i can work because like i said I, you, you get a one-year year of work permit after a master's degree yeah so that was the that was the last chance you can you can try because mm-hmm. unless you go to phd <laughs> yeah. um, so i wanted to use that one year to pursue my dream of working in the league mm-hmm. so i was i emailed a lot of teams and uh i was lucky because i one of my assistant trainer at the stanford he he was a really good friend with the athletic trainer with the Atlanta Hawks. Oh, okay. So that's how I got in touch with the head athletic trainer for the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, he was uh, really kind enough to email me back and we kept in touch for a while. And um, right after I graduated from UH, he, uh, I emailed him, I talked to him and he, and that was the COVID year. So uh, <laughs> yes. they actually had a, a hiring freeze at the time. Okay. So he wasn't sure if he could hire me, but he was considering my position mm. for a, a seasonal intern. Got it. And uh, COVID happened. I was waiting. I was actually uh, uh, at my friend's house, uh, uh, Lawrence. Okay. Actually allowed me to stay with him. Uh, he was really nice enough to, you know, accommodate yes. me because I didn't have any money. I was trying to survive and yeah. he was kind enough to have me. So he helped me a lot. And I was just basically waiting for almost four months mm-hmm. after I graduated. Got it. And I actually had an offer from other schools to work as a full-time third trainer. Okay. And uh, I almost took that position, but uh, right before I made that decision, head authority trainer for the, from the Hawks, he called me. Uh-huh. And he said, we just had, we just got a green light to uh, hire you as a uh, seasonal intern position. So can, can you come in two weeks? Yes. I was like, yes, I'm flying right away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is crazy. So this was 2020 you graduated, right? Yeah. So right at the end of your spring semester, that's when yeah. everything shut down. We're going yes. through all of the COVID protocols and everything. And then, it was chaos for NBA too, because they were canceling games and all of yeah. these things. Right. So you actually went out or got that call like end of summer. So it was November almost. Yeah. Oh, November almost. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. October, November. 
Got it. So yeah. then, yeah, all of these things came to fruition. So waiting and not um, taking other jobs that that did pay off, right? Because now you got yeah. into that position. For those of you, myself included, I don't really know too much about you know NBA and professional basketball. I know more about professional football, right? But explain what a staff looks like typically. Does every team usually have a seasonal intern and how many assistants and how many head or one head athletic trainer? What, what's the NBA athletic training staff look like for most? Yeah, teams? It's so rare to have a uh, intern position in the right. NBA. Now at the time as well, you know, I knew only Atlanta Hawks and other few teams mm-hmm. who had a seasonal athletic uh, intern position, basically. Got it. So it's just super rare to get the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, as a staff, uh, structure-wise, usually you have a director of sports uh, performance medical. Okay. Um, and he's going to be the top uh, top guy supervising everything. Mm-hmm. Then you usually have a head strength coach and a head athletic trainer. And uh, you, you would have a few uh, assistant athletic trainers okay. and then assistant SC, SC coach. Got it. I, I, I think that's the typical structure, but uh, and that's how Atlanta Hawks is as well. Got it. So explain this now. You know, it's been what is that like seven years later, and now what you dreamed of it's actually happening, right? You're there for a full season. Your extension of the staff. You're going to be doing everything, right? People think that the internship spots, you know, you don't get as much experience. You probably get more because there's only so much of you and you got to do everything um, just as part of a staff. Right. right so right. explain a little bit about that transition going from a division one college setting, not only switching sports, right. To basketball, but also switching you're going up in level. You're working with now elite of the elite, right? These are the top 1% of athletes that's playing basketball on the highest level, right? So explain what that transition was like for you. Yeah, uh, it was it was, it was was crazy. I remember, you know, first day going to the facility, you see all of those NBA guys, like twice as big as you. And, you know, I used to watch these players on TV. It was just crazy like it made me realize I, I I'm I'm actually working in the league mm-hmm. yeah first year was my seasonal intern year and but even though it was intern position they, they gave me a lot of responsibilities and those opportunities actually helped me to get my position right now so mm-hmm. that was really uh, fortunate and um, uh, there was a huge difference between working with the football team at the college and working with the basketball team uh, in Probably just in general, you know, you're working only with fewer rosters. Yeah. You're not working, trying to manage like 60 guys on the yeah. roster at the same time. Yes. So you could actually take more time for one guy. And, you know, that was really what I liked about working in basketball. And mm-hmm. uh, you, you get to collaborate with a uh, strength coach and you get to take time for one guy and, mm-hmm. and, uh, that's that's probably what I like about the most working the basketball team in general. Yes. For those athletic trainers aspiring to, you know, get in the NBA, work on these staffs, explain what's your average like week like, like in season. You know, what what does your week entail? What are the, you know, big general responsibilities, time commitments and preparation things? What what is your week look like? Yeah, uh it, it'll change depends on what whether you have game or not mm-hmm. 
But typically, if you don't have game uh, and the home, you're in the home market, uh, mm-hmm. typically you have practice around 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. You would probably have a prep time before that, like uh, an hour and a half, two hours before that. Mm-hmm. Guys would come in, uh, get treatment, rehab, and do some uh, strength conditioning work before the practice. Mm-hmm. So you would actually start uh, like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, mm-hmm. which is way better than working for football <laughs> yeah. yes that is way better than working for football yeah, yeah you, you don't get up, get up like 4 a.m or anything <laughs> yeah. like so uh and then practice usually around an, uh, an hour and a half and two hours and then guys some guys would leave right away or some guys would stay for extra work and some guys would get some recovery work after that so Practice days is usually short. You, you'd probably get done around three or three or three o'clock in the afternoon, and you're free to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the game day, it's usually uh, they usually have a shoot around in the morning, so they would start in the morning around ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. They would shoot for for an hour, go through some uh, plays and stuff, and then they would go home. And we we would go home for a little bit and uh, get to arena for prepping work around like four o'clock mm-hmm. and the game would start and then you would probably finish around uh, before midnight. Got it. And that's the typical schedule. But in between that, you, you have a lot of travels. You, yes. you would travel basically some, some month you, you're, you're not home for half of the month. <laughs> yes. So yeah. It is a crazy schedule uh, traveling wise. Yeah. The lifestyle, I give all of you guys so much credit, you know, whenever you're at that level, the lifestyle, when you're in season, it's very demanding and yeah, you have to be there. You have to be your best so that you can help the team perform. Right. And I always kind of joke with this, like, you know, working in the NFL and all of that, like if you come from Hawaii, even though you're traveling a lot, man, when you travel out of Hawaii, traveling is easy. You don't have to like worry about things like the, the flights are so close, you know, we're not flying five hours just to get to the closest spot. So, so I'm sure that you relate to all of that, um, with the travel, but I can imagine the games, right. Way more games, a lot more travel. You have to be on the road a lot more. So all of that is very tough too. Yes. Thinking about that, so, you know, just kind of giving some perspective into what the lifestyle is like, but how do, well, let's start by how did you transition? Was there already a spot that was open as an uh, assistant athletic trainer and you just pretty much switched over from the seasonal intern spot into that open spot or what did someone leave or how did that happen so that you came an assistant athletic trainer? No, actually, there wasn't any opening as a full-time okay. assistant. They, they, before my first seasonal year, intern year, mm-hmm. they had uh, they already had two uh, assistant athletic trainers mm-hmm. and head athletic trainers mm-hmm. and a uh, director who is oh. also ATPTC, okay. uh, P- ATCPT. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there wasn't any uh, position that was made okay. uh, that was open. But uh, after season ended, they they kept me as a full time, and okay. so they don't have a seasonal intern position anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of that, they made that full time position for me, and uh, got it. Yeah, that's how it worked out, and uh, I was really lucky. Got it. Yeah. So, how do most people, you know, maybe colleagues across the league, or how do most people even? Obviously, in the beginning, just send out your resumes. That's for most professional sports, and just hope that 
you know, there's a spot, but how do most people land on actual a staff athletic training spot or strength and conditioning spot? And is there a lot of movement around the league or is it just very rare to have openings? I think a lot of people would start from a, a G League. A lot of people have oh. a G League experience okay. and then move, move their way up to the, uh, the first team uh, mm. in the NBA. Mm. And that's a lot of people how a lot of people get to get to the position mm-hmm. in the league. But uh, I, I also know that a lot of people do like internships outside of NBA and, you know, get, they expand their network and then mm. uh, they're connected with some, some, some teams and then you would start from there. And, Got it. and uh, I don't, I can't, I can't tell you how exactly, <laughs> but like, you, you, you never know, like you yeah. never know who is connected with who and, you know, uh-huh. That is crazy. So thinking about that, since you mentioned that, did you, when you were coming out of UH or even when you were coming out of Lindenwood, did you contact any of the G League, like sports medicine yeah. staff? Or, oh, yeah, got it. I, I try to reach out to all the G League team as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you rarely get that uh, response. Uh, you, won't, you won't get any response usually. Oh, got it. Well, I only had a few, I only knew a few people in the league. Uh, I, I only had a few emails from the league so that's how i kind of knew had the connection and uh connection that i made at stanford was huge for me you know Mm -hmm. yeah you never know what connections everyone has and i i I always say that i mean even in the united states right the athletic training community it's still relatively small like people know each other all over right because of you know, you have experiences in various places, you have worked or helped with people either on the road or whatever it is. So there's so many connections and you never know what connections might help you get to where you want to be. Right. Yeah. I I never thought of, you know, Stanford experience will, you know, lead me to NBA team at all. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And that goes for any athletic training students, just take all these opportunities, like you said, and just do your best, right? Because you'll get something out of it. And the more that you put forth, you know, everyone will see that and it'll help you progress in your career, right? On that note, I do want, kind of want to talk about, so being in the NBA now for two years, and fortunately it was with the same team, right? So you got to see that. Um, what are some of the good memories that you have, or even things to this day that it's like, either it teaches you so much or I don't know, either surprises you that you're actually there courtside, right. With these teams. And now you get to watch NBA, NBA uh, games live, right. You don't have to watch it on TV. So what are some of the good memories that sticks with you over the past couple of years? Yeah. I mean, last year we, we made it to the Eastern conference final, which was a crazy environment to play okay. in. It was my first year. And, uh, I remember we went to Madison Square Garden for the first uh, first run against New York Knicks. I remember growing up watching games on TV, you know, in Mad- Madison Square Garden, going uh-huh. crazy. Uh-huh. And uh, I got to experience that. It was really crazy, and it was uh, really no, it was really fun actually, you know, uh, to experience because not many people can experience that. And we made it to Eastern Conference Final, and that was also a crazy environment too. Yes, and uh, just seeing that in, right in front of you it was just uh, really um, rewarding to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you know, just helping the guys perform on the court, like you know, you get to see them perform in these 
playoff games and regular season games. And that's all really exciting as well. Yeah. What are some of the, the obstacles or the hard things that, you know, you've learned over the past couple of years that could be either in the profession athletic training wise, or even outside of that. What, what are some of the challenges that you faced over the past couple of years? Uh, just uh, at this environment, you're working as a team, you know, you're working at the sports medicine team. So mm-hmm. as you develop your career and learn more stuff, you know, I think you're going to start to have your own way of doing things, yeah. but uh, you, you can, you can never forget that you're working as, as a team. And sometimes you have to put your ego on the side uh-huh. and, you know, uh, prioritize what we're as a team trying to do. Mm-hmm. So that's something, you know, sometimes I think about it a lot, but that's something I always keep in mind, you know, working at this level. Yes. No, these are all great things. And talk a little bit about kind of some of the resources or things that you've seen, whatever you feel comfortable with sharing or like techniques or things that you guys utilize a lot or, you know, wherever you think like athletic training and professional sports is headed to like, what types of insights can you provide with some of that, the future direction of what you guys are doing um, that maybe, you know, not every, even college has access to, right? Uh, Obviously we have a lot of resources that we can use as if you talk about modalities and stuff, Mm -hmm. we probably have a lot of those expensive modalities, Mm -hmm. but we, we stick with the basic, you know, we do a lot of manual therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we try to collaborate with the SC coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just the system is probably a little bit different the way you work as a team. Yes. And, and that's good to hear too, because that's, you know, whenever you're caring for athletes, I think there's a lot of constants. There's a lot of things that are the same, regardless of where you go, even regardless of what sport you you're working, right. There's a lot of things that really overlap. So it's good to hear, you know, all of those things. Talk a little bit about, you know, what it's like outside of the NBA, you know, work schedule, like what it's like living in Atlanta, you know, what it's like, um, just adapting to kind of that little different lifestyle, right? It's yeah. very different than college sports because like I always say professional sports is their job. So even though it's, you know, it may be like somewhat long hours, they don't have school. They don't have academics. They don't have all of these other things you got to work on. It's work around. You just have to focus on whatever the demands of the sport is. So with that, I think you're not, you don't have a lot of free time, but I think it's a little different than when you're working a college setting. So explain a little bit about that, like the work-life balance up there, you know, what it's like living in Atlanta, all of those experiences as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually way different from working in college. You know, these guys are professional. This is what they do to make a living mm-hmm. and they have a strict schedule. Like this is the practice time and uh, treatment time and, mm-hmm. and workout time. So <laughs> they come in for that time and then they put in their work and they leave right after. And then we don't have any obligation after that. Mm-hmm. So it's not like college, you know, students just hang around <laughs> for, <laughs> until meeting time. And <laughs> yes. I'm in a training room. <laughs> so we actually have a lot of time after that duty is over and, I think it's 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 a lot better as a work life balance because mm-hmm. you get you you get your own time whenever you know these guys finish. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's that's really nice about working in a professional environment, I think. And um, yeah, Alana is Alana is great. Actually, I really like it. 
there's actually a lot of Japanese people living in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of Japanese restaurants, Japanese oh. supermarket. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also have a huge Korean population, too. Oh, okay. So they have a Korean market.、Uh, and yeah, it's, it's really nice. Like, if you want to get some、uh, ramen or Japanese food, you can go to some Japanese store and、oh. get it. Yeah. And,、oh, I didn't even realize yeah, that there was that, a, yeah, that yeah, many options. Yeah, it's really nice. And it's, it's growing as a city. A lot、mm-hmm. of people are moving in, there's a lot going on in the city. It's really nice. I think it's a really good city to live in, too. Yes. So, do you have time to do you still play some basketball recreationally or on the side or shoot around? Is that yeah. still, yeah? I try to, I try to play. We, we usually play a pickup game with the other staff members. Oh, okay. I、yeah. try to join a few times and it's really fun. It's just nice to be around basketball because you know, you know, basketball. Yes. You know, it's just fun to watch these、mm-hmm. guys play too. So, yes, the high level. So, do you、um, ever play for fun or maybe a game of horse or something with some of the guys on the team when you guys are, have some downtime? No, no, I, I, I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. I'm pretty sure they would、uh, they would find it very entertaining you know, to have an average person just laying anything with them. Yeah. But、um, no, it's, it's great to hear all of those things. And I'm glad that you know, everything's progressing. You know, the NBA season is coming to a close. So you enjoy some t- downtime during the offseason, hopefully, and then getting ready to go again. I also、yeah. hope that with COVID, you know, hopefully, well, the games and everything look like it's relatively normal now. We、yeah. know we're not. Completely、yeah. out, of the, yeah. out of everything yet, but it's getting back to normal. So that's exciting too. But yeah, talk a little bit about whatever you're willing to share about what's kind of the next chapter for you. Are you looking forward to a lot more seasons? You know, if, it's, if the opportunity presents itself to work in the NBA or what, what kind of future goals do you have for yourself? Yeah, yeah. My, my goal is to you know, get as much, ex- as much experience as possible right now in this position. You know, it's, it's a really unique and uh, fortunate uh, opportunity to be in this position.、Mm-hmm. You get to work with all the professionals around you. You know, you, that's, that's what I like about this environment, too. You know, you have so many staff members with different backgrounds.、Uh, so you get to learn different stuff every day、mm-hmm. and you get to collaborate with them. So I want to try to get as much experience as possible in the league. and Hopefully,、uh, that will lead to my next, next step. And、mm-hmm. I don't know whether you know, it's going to be in the league or other place. Yeah,、yes. But、uh, yeah, that's my short term goal right now. Yes. No, keep working hard. And you kind of mentioned too that your brother, you know, he was the one that got you interested in basketball and stuff. Is he still in the United States? No, he's actually, he just went back to Japan. He got, got a、it. job、uh, in Tokyo. Got it. He, he never thought of, you know, he never thought I was going to be working in the NBA, but,、uh, but now he probably thinks he's the reason why I'm here. <laughs> yes, yes. So, did he ever get to watch a game or did he ever get to see、um, a Hawks game when he was here? Or are you planning on、uh, having him see one、uh, in the he, future? He was, he was actually already back home. Oh, I see.、Uh, he said he would watch it on TV and stuff, but hopefully, you know, When COVID gets better and he gets, a, he gets some chance to come over to the States and watch the game, that would be, be amazing. 
Yeah, hopefully him or your family can come watch watch a game when you're working with them. So that's very exciting, right? To look yeah. forward to. The last thing, like you know, these are great experiences. I think a lot of people, especially just starting out their career, right, or every athletic trainer can kind of take in a lot of these things and apply it to their journey too. So, what words of wisdom or advice do you have for? You know, people early in their career or new graduates or even students, right? What kinds of words of wisdom can you share with them that, you know, kind of helps them to strive to keep working to their goals? Because, you know, if you didn't be persistent and keep trying to pursue working in the MBA, it might not have happened, right? But right. what can you do to, or what types of words and advice do you have to encourage them to keep working towards what goals they have in the profession? Yeah, I mean, like like I said, just you know, see what's in front of you and take whatever, you know, comes up in front of you and uh, any opportunity can give you something to learn. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, wherever you go, you get, you get to know a lot of people and uh, you learn something from people around you. And that's the beauty of this profession. I think you, you get to learn a lot from people around you, you know, take any opportunity. And even though, you know, that's, probably not something you, you want to do, but you learn something for mm -hmm. sure. You, you never know that's going to lead to next, next step in your career. So. Yes. You never know how things will come full circle. And it's so yeah. great to hear your story about how everything, even from the day that you came to the U S you know, you always aspired and wanted to work in the NBA and now, you know, you're living the reality. So, or you're living your dream that you're actually there, you're helping the staff, you're seeing all of these things and experiencing all of these things. And I know that you'll do great, great things in the future, wherever you're at. So I hope that um, you have many more exciting seasons to come in the NBA and then we'll hear many more of your stories in the future. Yeah. But any, any last words and, one of these days, you got to make it back to Hawaii, maybe in the off season. And yeah, I actually, I, actually, I actually was planning on going to Hawaii, but uh, timing didn't work out and the <laughs> flights are super expensive right now. Yeah. Yes. So I wanted to, I, I, trust me, I want to go to Hawaii so yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. I, well, you know, there's no water in a lot of there's yes well any any time that you're back you you know all of us just let us know and then it's good to touch base again but for everyone i i hope you know these episodes to hear the journey to hear the story behind how everything kind of played out right sometimes it takes years right to get the opportunity that you want but just keep sticking with it because you never know how all of these little experiences will lead to what you are meant or what you want to do. Yeah. Other than that, any last words or anything like that? What do you have planned for the off season? I'm actually going to Japan actually. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. So we're going to have a summer league uh, shortly mm -hmm. and uh, we'll be in Vegas for a little bit. And right okay. after that, uh, I'm actually going back to Japan and first time in these three years. So I'm, yeah. I'm really excited and get to see my family and friends and, Yes. enjoy a lot of ramen <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah i was gonna say like through covid i mean the restrictions in japan have been really strict too so i'm glad that you get to enjoy some time off and enjoy that trip as well but yeah. other than that 
I mean, keep working hard, keep doing all of the great things that you're doing. And it's great to see a UH product, someone that came through and, you know, doing all the great things in their career and their profession. But other than that, I mean, thank you so much for joining me. And yeah, best of luck in the future. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you having me.